It's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations. And gosh, it's chilly out. I didn't expect it. I walked out of the house, uh, been in the house most of the day, and all of a sudden, whoosh, a little chill. Um, but it's going to be beautiful this weekend, and there are some really cool things going on, and I, I've got two of them on on, uh, on board for today's show. And I, I'm really excited about these guys because I just I love this idea. We're starting off the show with Plants for Peace, P-E-A-C-E, NOLA. And um, folks are invited to help and sign up for a tree or to volunteer and be a part of a day that is going to plant trees, not just because they're good things. That's correct. And we lost so many with um, Katrina, but also in memory of people who have been um, lost to us by violence. So, Alicia Neal, Executive Director of Groundwork New Orleans, and my good friend Angela Chalk, who I've known since post-Katrina days when we were all in the trenches together, uh, and before that. Yeah. Um, and she's with Healthy Community Services, and they're with me t- today to um, give us a little bit of idea of how this is all going to work. And, and let's start out with, you know, um, what sparked this? What, why are you guys doing this? Okay. All right. First of all, thank you, Jean, for having us on your show. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. Sure. Plant for Peace, this is um, our second year participating in Plant for Peace, but the, it came out of the unrest in Ferguson three years ago where the community decided oh, to get together oh, okay. to plant trees for peace because of so much unrest that was going on yeah. in that area. And as a result of us having a um, violent area as well, we decided that we were participating in planting, pe- planting trees for peace with volunteers throughout um, several of the neighborhoods. And the neighborhoods are the 7th Ward, Bunny Friend, and this year we expanded to Sugar Hill, and next year, we already have a request to expand to the St. Claude neighborhood. Oh, okay. So great. last year, we planted 67 trees, and this year, we're on target to plant um, 100 trees. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was going to be 60, so 100. Isn't that yes. great? And mm-hmm. I, 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 I forget the number, but I heard this amazing number of trees that we lost in Katrina. Do you guys remember what uh, that? It's like thousands. It's 100,000. 100,000. Mm-hmm. That, I mean... It, we, we live in a city that looks so green, and you really don't think that we could have lost so much, but we really did. So, so um, Alicia, give me some idea of how the day is going to go. Um, for that morning, we actually gather w- with the volunteers at um, Bunny Friend. Um, we're actually going to be starting at 1806 Duels. No, Gallier. No, sorry, sorry, Gallier Street um, at the Community Orchard. And we will have a prayer um, there as well, um, a dedication, um, a few words about violence and those lost uh, to violence, as well as just coming together really as a community, as a neighborhood, just as a city to really um, uh I guess more so pay homage to those that have been lost as well as to move forward together in an effort for peace as well. 
Uh, you know, um, <laughs> you, some psalms are just at a loss for words for dealing with the issue of violence and, and the events just in the past month in Las Vegas yeah. and in, in Texas um, constantly, constantly bringing home uh, the issue of violence in our country. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, there are some countries that are going through really horrible genocidal um, events okay. where one yes. kind of people is just trying to destroy another kind. So with the exception of those countries, and it's so sad to read about the people who have had to migrate out of those areas and, and have uh, lost their lives in the process, but aside from those areas, I think we have to be one of the most violent societies in the world. Right. And studies have shown that um, domestic violence is reduced by 35% when you have trees in your neighborhood. And let, there's 50% less crime mm-hmm. in neighborhoods with trees. So we're not only just um, planting trees. Say that for again. What's that statistic? 35% domestic violence reduction. And 50 percent, 50 less crime in neighborhoods with trees. How do you account for that? Um, because it's it's a calming situation. Trees yeah. make it calming. Um, it reduces the stress and cortisol that may w- make one become violent. And so it's a way of engaging the community as well as um, doing our efforts for climate change and making that area a cooler place to live as well. Yeah. And and that's um, obviously another thing that, you know, um, uh, there are people in, in places like California that have basically said, okay, Mr. President, I don't want to even mention his name, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can pull us out of climate um, change agreements, you can try to eviscerate the Environmental Protection Agency as he is doing with changes in, in, in their regulations and how they do business, but... That's not going to stop us from addressing <laughs> climate change. Yep. And what you're saying is that you guys, just ordinary citizens here in the city of New Orleans, you're doing your part. N- not only are we doing our part, but Alicia with the green team with Groundwork NOLA to see young people engaged in the way that young people are engaged it's just phenomenal. Uh, we participated at Bunny Friends Night Out Against Crime, and the young people who came out to color our Plant for Peace canvas board, they went back and they got their parents and say, hey, look, you need to sign up for this. So our young people are taking an active role in this as well. And we have volunteers that are coming from all over the city. And last year we had volunteers from all over the country that came and helped with our first Plant for Peace. So I, I mean that the the, the uh, effect of that has got to be just phenomenal and long term. Um, uh, if our youth get engaged and committed, um, they're going to grow up with this commitment. And just like you all have become involved in your citizen duties and volunteer activities, the 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 youth that you bring into this are going to do the same thing. Yeah, that's the goal of Groundwork and the goal of the Green Team is to create the next generation of environmental stewards. So they come in, they learn about planting trees, why it's important, um, the stress-reducing effect of trees, as well as just how to do community beautification, enhancing green space, uh, building rain gardens, helping with stormwater management, and just all around the importance of trees just across the board for our city. 
So, so let me understand. Uh, tell uh, uh, groundwork. Tell me about groundwork. That organization, because actually, this is the first time I've heard of it. I hate. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. But, That's um, okay. I, I, there are so many say. new young uh, uh, nonprofits in town that are doing the work that needs to be done that others are not. You know, government, business are not doing so. Uh, it's hard and, to keep track of everybody. but And Groundwork New Orleans is actually 10 years old, um, but I say we're one of the city's best-kept secrets. Uh, we do um, environmental work for um, in the, within the communities. We have a job training program for youth. We're actually one of 23 trusts across the country, and we were actually created in partnership with the National Park Service and the EPA to connect more um, youth of color and underserved communities to conservation, environmental work, and environmental careers. Did they actually, uh, did they stimulate this, or did they support it? They're, we're, they're partners with us. So mm-hmm. all trusts are created in partnership with the National Park so Service and the EPA. Yeah. The original model for groundwork actually began in the U.K. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's kind of like... Um, what is the organization that um, Khrushchev started? Is it, is it not not Khrushchev? What am I talking about? Um, Gorbachev. So his big international green organization. I think it was called Greenpeace, actually. Okay. And and then that became something that he developed affiliates all over the all world okay. as part of that effort. So similar to that, the UK reached out and tried to replicate what they were doing. So so what's the full agenda of Groundwork? The full agenda basically is um, across the board creating sustainable communities. So doing job training, youth development um, for within the communities as well as focusing on the needs of our city here be, being in New Orleans, of course, the stormwater management as well as community beautification, dealing with um, vacant lots, um, basically going to the community and asking what are your needs here and then working to fulfill those needs mm-hmm. as opposed to saying we're just going to build this here or we're just going to do this here. We want to get feedback first so, at a community right. level. So, which is, <laughs> where was I reading? Uh, was it in the East? Oh, yeah. So these folks in the East who decided they wanted to do a homeless village. Oh, yeah. I did and see that. I, on the you know, the homeless so. have to live somewhere. So I'm sympathetic to them doing that. But the people who were doing it apparently in, involved some out-of-town people who wanted to do good things for New Orleans, but mm-hmm. they come in and they just didn't talk to the neighbors of that project. And there they want to plunk this thing down right close to another neighborhood. And so, you know, they're kind of getting their come up in snow yeah. because the neighbors yeah. are saying no, no uh-uh. so what that. you're saying is that you're really trying to make sure that the community is engaged from exactly. from from jump exactly mm-hmm. and that's the most important for all the groundwork that's our model is to interact with the communities first engage with the communities first and then go about working towards those issues and involving the youth in the communities in the schools that are deeply connected and then training them to continue to move forward as environmental stewards. How, how can somebody uh, reach out to your organization? What's your uh, website and phone number? Our website is groundworknola.org. Um, we're on Facebook, social media, of course, and that's Groundwork NOLA as well. And then uh, phone number is 504-208-2771. All right. Now, 
your organization, my organization, Green, uh, no, Healthy, Healthy Community, Community Services. Yeah. Right. Well, we're a community-based organization, and we use green infrastructure in order to educate the community about wise water management techniques, how to harvest that water and live a healthier lifestyle by going green. And we work with all facets, mainly with water, but we work with all facets, facets in showing folks how to grow um, fruits and vegetables and herbs in a urban area, not just for homeowners, but for renters as well. And this is how we became involved with the work with Global Green and the NOLA Tree Project because they all work for sustainable lifestyles, whether it be from fruit trees or trees that will provide shade. And Global Green works with WaterWise with teaching residents how to um, install um, water management um, properties on at their home, whether it's a planter box or... Um, a rain barrel or a rain garden, and it's become more important in recent weeks because of our drainage problem. And so Absolutely. we teach residents That's how one to of do the, that. I think that I don't think a lot of us really were conscious until this recent flooding from the uh, sewage and water board problems um, of how much the issue of that the initial source of the water and how and the volume of it having to go go into the drains affects the extent to which the pumping system can handle the water. So to the extent that we can have the proper our property be dirt and living things as opposed to concrete. I was horrified when my neighbor and I won't quote who put a lot of concrete in. Now, thankfully she surrounded that also with a lot of Plants, but I was thinking, no, no concrete. We need plants, right? Because they 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 they, they, they drink up right. The water. They drink up yeah. the water, and and those vulnerable residents are the ones who people think um, are not engaged with it. But once residents become informed and educated about it, they're excited. And I know that folks that live in the seventh ward are excited because we have a teaching rain garden in the seventh ward, and folks. Where are, is that? It's at actually it's at my residence on mm-hmm. Duel Street. Where? Uh, eighteen fifty five Duels. Eighteen fifty five yeah. Duels. And so okay. it's amazing when folks pass by to look at it to see how it works, especially on a rainy day when the water is percolating and I harvest three hundred gallons of water on my property. No. And we have we have residents who have rain barrels that harvest fifty fifty gallons of water and they reuse that water to water their plants to water their vegetable gardens, to wash their cars. And it's just amazing. How many in the rain barrels? 50 gallons. Wow. So we have about 12 residents that have um, 50 rain barrels in the 7th Ward. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, by the way, I'm sort of curious about this myself because Mm -hmm. even though my house uh, on Esplanade has an unusual amount of um, green space around it, it, it it was it was actually why I chose that house. We were looking at two houses, one on City Park Avenue and one on Esplanade. This is way back in the 70s when I could afford a house on <laughs> Esplanade. And um, I chose this one because it had so much green around it. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly, I still watch the water rush out from my property to the street during a heavy rain. I haven't been able to figure this out with all the... I mean, I, we have a third of an acre. 
Okay. Around our house. Sounds like lot. that's a job for the green team <laughs> to, to um, do. Why, yeah. why is it still? I know it's all about something you're graded so right. that the water goes out there. Mm-hmm. But man, I watch it come like a, a little waterfall down the sidewalk from the front of my house, and I'm saying, I, I don't understand this. I have it's all probably, that dirt. It's probably more from the downspouts, and that's one of the things that we do is downspout disconnection so that the down the water is diverted from your downspout that's going to the ground in the street, but it's actually diverted into a rain barrel, or we have flow-through planters See, as well. I don't well. have rain barrels. Yeah, so the water would go down your downspout and into the rain barrel or into the flow-through planter, and it wouldn't go out into the street. Flow so through planter. What's yes, that? we have flow through planters. They're like rain barrels in a big silver planter box um, that the students uh, actually build, put together as a part of their job training program. And basically it um, has native plants like irises, things that are going to grow well with a lot of water. And they can be freestanding where they can catch water directly off your roof or they be, can be connected to your downspout. So your downspout water goes directly into the uh, flow through planter. And I it's don't a closed system. We have downspouts. I guess we must. But we took the gutters out from our house. Some years ago, one of the people who was working with us, we used to have all the gutters and they'd get filled mm-hmm. up. And then that's expensive to get those things cleaned mm. out, especially when you have a, a high house. Mm-hmm. Um, so they told us, you don't need gutters because we had overhang, mm-hmm. right? Although there are some parts of the house that don't have overhang, and I watch the water rush down my windows, and I'm thinking, this can't be good. But um, I, there must be downspouts. I, I, honest to God, can you believe I'm saying this? I can't remember <laughs> whether we, we really do have them or not. But if I do, okay, I'm going to assume that, that we must have them, right? Even okay. if I don't have gutters, I have downspouts. Mm-hmm. Is that right? You should or have downspouts, downspouts usually but if connected you took, to they're gutters. usually connected to the gutters. So if you took your gutters off, then it's probably just direct shed, which is why so much is running. That's another mm-hmm. reason why so much right. is running yeah. down. Well, and, um, and let me just say this. Um, they're working on a project in your neighborhood right now anyway at, over there at St. Luke's. So they actually have their um, rain garden built out, and tomorrow they should fill it in. But you can travel anywhere in the Treme. There are um, rain gardens that were put in along Robertson Street um, between Dumaine and St. Anne. So you can see um, the rain gardens that were put in there. Robinson between um, Dumaine, Dumaine and St. Anne. And St. Anne, okay. And that you was see, put in I, with I the I never thought I needed rain gardens because, again, I have so much earth. But here's another thing. A lot of that earth, especially in the front of my property, does not have grass. And the reason it doesn't is because I have these great big oak trees from, this, from Esplanade Avenue mm-hmm. overhanging the house. So I can't grow grass, not to mention my dogs running. <laughs> but your trees are soaking up water, so. <laughs> but the oak trees are out by the street. They're still soaking up water. Yeah, no, they are. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. But you should see the puddles in the gutter by my house when it rains hard and fast. Okay. Well, we have another project that's coming up so that will teach residents that, so I'll come back on. You need to come back, that. yes, <laughs> and talk to me about that. All right, so um, I'm sorry. I'm just using this as a kind of little education system for me <laughs> because, you know, it's, I, I, I want to do my share too. And, um, you know, literally as I've walked out of the house and watched this, you know, little river, mm-hmm. I've said, why on earth with all this earth do I have a river? But... The lack of um, downspouts and uh, rain barrels. I don't know what I'm going to do about that because I don't, I'm not really in a rush to put gutters up. But um, 
maybe in a couple of places and figure it out. Okay, so let's go back. I want to go back to the fact that you're um, remembering the lives of, of those lost due to violence. Are you specifically like saying, okay, this tree is for this person, or is it just the number of people who have been killed that are being represented with the trees? Well, as residents get a treat, um, the kids also prepared um, little cards of violence so that you can reflect that by placing that um, placard on the tree. As that tree grows, you'll remember that person who, who may have been um, a victim or even a survivor of violence. And that will work in cohesiveness with the, the object of Plant for Peace reminding people that um, trees are something that will bring about unity and hope and will grow strong. We will plant a ceremonial tree. This year, the ceremonial tree will be planted at um, St. Mary's the Angels Catholic Church on North Miro. So, and last year, our ceremonial tree was planted at the AP Tour Park in, in remembrance of those whose violence, who died of violence or were affected. And it's going to be at St. Mary... Yeah, that'll that'll be uh, after we finish planning um, at the oh, openings later, later at oh, the okay, opening ceremony. Okay. Yeah, All but right. that this year that is where the tree the the memorial tree will go. Well, I love this project. I love it because you're planting trees. I love it because you're dealing with. All the green issues that, as I said, somebody up there in the White House doesn't get, you know, because he thinks it's good for his, quote, base, um, which is shrinking every day. And, and, and how about the elections last night, guys? I saw the sweeping elections. <laughs> Was that something? Very uh, interesting. Yes. I hope he got the message. He, he can't get a message. My, my theory about the man is that he's basically a juvenile delinquent with arrested development. He just has never grown out of that phase of life when he just wanted to be. You know, juvenile delinquents are like oppositional. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not talking about kids who just are lacking opportunities, have problems in their home life, but... They're just plain problem kids, you know. And, you know, and the ones that in the rich families, they send them off to military academies, right? He went to a military academy. Oh, really? When a kid gets sent off, when a rich kid gets sent off to a military academy, that's a kid who's acting out and and the parents have problems with them. And that that was our president. Oh, my. And so that's my theory about who he is that, you know, I haven't heard anybody talk about that on the on the cable shows, but that's my theory about him. Anyway, so despite what he's doing, the fact that you all in the community are making sure that we are still going forth with educating and engaging people in the efforts to do the right thing for our planet and for our own kids and our future, which is definitely at risk because of the of the warming and the increased height of the oceans and you know we're we're watching as our coastline evaporates off the map. Yeah. And last year it, the residents were um were excited that we had representation from NOPD. So Commander Frank Young of the fifth district, whose district we're planting um the trees in, he and his um delegation were there uh, last year, we hope that that his his schedule will allow him to be present this year as well. But when we have NOPD engaging in the community mm-hmm. with such a, an effort, it sends a message to the community that the police are not just here to police, but they're engaging in the community as well. I think there's really been I don't know enough about it because 
Uh, frankly, that's one area that I just don't focus on because I, I just can't. So I really deal with positive things like mm-hmm. that, like what you're doing. But um, I do think there seems to be an effort on the part of our police department to be more engaged with the community mm-hmm. and to, um, you know, be part of us right? Mm-hmm. instead of. And, and they are. They yeah. are. You know, our policemen, they are a part of the community. Their job just happens to be law enforcement, but yeah. they live and work in this community. They feel the same effects that we feel. Uh, as I was coming in here, I was looking, listening to the news and the first responders that um, were at the massacre in Texas, you know, they were saying they were affected by that as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I have to say is last year when we did Plant for Peace, the NLPD officers that were there pulled the entire green team aside and said, thank you for oh. just being a part of your community and doing this type of work because this is important. It starts with you guys because you are the future of the city. And so that to me was just really wonderful. The kids, <laughs> kids were really impressed by that. So they are a part of it, and it's good to see them coming together. And I, I tell you, it's just a, 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 these statistics that you just put me, put mm-hmm. into my mind that I'm going to hold on to, the idea that domestic crime is reduced 35%. When you add trees to a community and violence in general Mm -hmm. down 50% because of the calming effect of the green. And I really can see how that can be true because when I spend time sitting in my garden, when they're not having a wedding at the Degas house, (laughs) I, I can feel my blood pressure drop. Yeah. It yeah. Does. It lowers your yeah. blood pressure. Yeah. Here, it here's does. another statistic. Those folks who have access to a window with the trees after they've had surgery, um, they are 52% less stressed mm-hmm. by just having a tree to look at postoperatively. I have, again, I chose my house because I'm surrounded with green. My bedroom windows look out into my garden. And the first thing in the morning, the first thing I say to my husband before I say hello, good morning, is open the curtains. <laughs> I want to see that green. Mm-hmm. Ladies, thank you so much for coming now. So let's just thank our let's do our numbers again. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, want to thank our partners. Mm-hmm. Okay, Global Green, of course. I did a lot of work with those guys um, uh, in their yeah. first years here. Dillard University, uh, NOLA Tree Project. Yes, Connie okay. Udo and the NOLA Tree Project are phenomenal. And... And you guys are Groundwork New Orleans Mm -hmm. and Healthy Community Services. This is all about Plant for Peace. NOLA, you can go to the Twitter uh, handle is um, hashtag plant with a capital P. Yes. Mm -hmm. For the number four, peace with a capital P. NOLA in caps, N-O-L-A. And the uh, phone number is 504-475. Seven seven four nine. Okay. Yeah. Scheduled for the day. Nine AM. Y'all, nine AM. Bunny Friend Community Garden at eighteen oh six Gallier. It's November eleventh. That's Saturday. That's this Saturday. For a light breakfast and oh wow, wow, breakfast. Yes. You know, we all come out for food, right? <laughs> breakfast and open ceremony to remember the lives due to violence and then ten AM. You work on uh, actually planting trees. It's It's got to be a wonderful thing. I'm not the greatest planter in the world, but 
I, I well, we have it. volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying people do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having us. us. You send the next folks in, okay. and okay. Uh, I'm going to take just two minutes to talk about the election coming up because I, I want to make sure people are going to vote, right? Okay. So okay. you send them in, and then I'm going to um, – uh, hey, y'all, um, you know, early voting is on right now. I, I don't remember when it ends. Do you guys know? Uh, Saturday. This Saturday? Okay. Early voting is on. Make it easy for yourselves. Get into City Hall and other locations right now. Um, we have our election coming up next Saturday. This is a very important election. I know it has not exactly set the world on fire. There have been some dull um, forums. I don't know exactly how to explain it. We have two very interesting, capable, qualified candidates running for mayor. Uh, we have an important race in the East because we have a new young woman running out there. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit prejudiced in favor of women as, as um, on, in, in uh, public office to some extent, not always. But, um, yeah, that's uh, an interesting race. And, um, and then we have, um, you know, a couple other runoffs. I can't remember exactly which, but uh, make sure you get out and vote. It's, it's, it's what you can do. And we always, you know, we rail. I ask my husband, I, I talk to the television all the time. What are you talking about? How can you say that? But that, that, that complaining, it doesn't do us any good. It really is all about what we can do. And one of the key things we can do is vote. If you guys will slide over just a little bit that way, I can see you a little better and talk to you a little better. Um, so, our, the second part of our show today is still kind of a, a little on the green side, but with a, um, a, an art um, emphasis and focus. And I, I told the ladies before me that I um, left my phone home where I had all my information, um, and so I'm going to have to um, uh, catch up a little bit. Here's my little piece of literature, but I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. And then we're going to chat about what's happening. This is also on Saturday. So this is another activity. You can kind of go plant your trees and then head out and uh, join this Forest of All, a celebration of art and nature at a studio in the woods, which is an organization I was very involved with in its early days, trying to help it get off the ground. And um, it's still going really strong. And um, uh, it's out there, you know, um, I'm going to let you guys talk about exactly um, how to place the location because I always say just Algiers, but that doesn't explain it all that well. But Farcival is a celebration of art and nature at a studio in the woods. Introduce yourselves. Let's chat about it. Hi, I'm Grace Rennie, and I'm the residency technician at a studio in the woods, which is in Lower Coast, Algiers. And my name Lower is... Lower Coast. That's what I was trying to remember. Lower yeah. Coast, yeah. My name is John Clenchman. Um, I'm going to be an artist-in-residence at a studio in the woods uh, in this coming spring, and I'll be contributing an installation to Forestival on Saturday. All right. So, okay, so do you want to get started, Grace, and give me a little idea of what uh, what's, what's in store for folks who um, make the trip out there? And then I'm going to ask you to tell people how to get there, because I'm a big believer in talking about directions and parking and making it easy for people to understand how to get to things. Because if I don't know how to get there and I don't know where I'm going to park, I don't go. <laughs> go ahead. Sure. Uh, so for Restival is this Saturday from 11 to 5 p.m. It's the one day of the year that we're really open to the public at large. 
Um, because otherwise, you are an artist retreat. Yes. So we're an artist residency. So we have artists like John in residence for six weeks at a time. And while they're there, we aren't open to the public in order to protect their work time and give them a nice, quiet, reflective environment uh, to work in. So this Saturday, we'll be open to the public. We'll have a bunch of musical acts, art exhibitions, food and drink for sale, um, some interactive activities for kids and adults to make some art of their own, um, and also tours of our woods, which is a big part of our mission and what we do down in Algiers. Um, so uh, let's talk about your woods for mm-hmm. a minute because it, it's really shocking to be, what, about 15 minutes from downtown New Orleans and be in the heart of a forest. How did that happen to survive the development trends of the second half of the 20th century? Uh, That's a good question that I don't have the sort of (laughs) chronological answers to. But as you well know, Joe and Lucianne Carmichael, our founders, bought the property in 1969. Um, A vast swath of that land had been a sugarcane plantation up until the 20s. Oh, that explains it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, And it's about 25 minutes, but you've got to go get into the directions. You've got to go sort of over the river and through the woods and... We're way past English turn by about six but miles. But it's, it's pretty actually straightforward. I mean, mm-hmm. once you get over the bridge, um, and I, I don't remember exactly how you connect to it, but the river road that you stay on that brings you right to their property, that's that's the, the large part of the trip is along that road, which is, yeah. by the way, kind of pretty. Oh, it's lovely. I, it's yeah. my commute to work in the morning, and I just get to look at the levee and watch the birds fly by. <laughs> Right, and the boats out yes. on the Mississippi River. There's nothing like watching a big boat go by uh, at the levee, and you're looking up, you know, and saying, hmm. Exactly. <laughs> That's always a, a challenge to think about those um, ships being uh, above you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so if it was a sugar plantation, then at some point in its history, it was actually um, – uh, cleared, and so this forest is actually second growth. Yeah, so it would be about 100 years older or, or oldest trees. So I think it, it stopped being a plantation around 1920. So it's been about 100 years that the, the ground went fallow. And then um, we started our efforts working on the property about 15 years ago to de, uh, to clear out the invasive species in the forest, which uh, sort of return it to the original bottomland hardwood forest ecosystem that would have been here before the introduction. And so how does that happen? I mean, when you cleared away the invasive things, did the original things that were there kind of just kind of pop back out of the ground, or did you have to plant? No. So the the native plants are going to be there, but the invasive species sort of create this middle bush layer that steals the light from smaller saplings and things that would come up. Uh, so they sort of shade out all of the understory that would naturally have grown up without the uh, presence of those species. So, so you take that out, mm-hmm. and then the other, the the original plants over there start growing back. Yes, fascinating. I really didn't. I didn't understand that. Yeah, and it's a, a continual battle we're waging against the invasive species. So it's it's a constant mitigation. And effort. by invasive species, you're talking about things like the. Um, Camphor plants? Uh, specifically and Chinese privet and Chinese tallow. Chinese tallow, that's what I was thinking of, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so when uh, folks come out there on um, Saturday, um, uh, give me a little bit more detail on what they're going to be doing. 
Sure. Uh, so we've got some great musical acts lined up. One of our recent residents from this past uh, winter, Byron Asher, is going to be uh, performing a 50-minute piece for 10-piece ensemble that he composed while Scrunch music? Yes. What does that music. mean? Uh, it's a word taken from a, a different... Uh, I can't remember the composer right now, but a different jazz musician's uh, piece. So he actually based this composition off of uh, research, oral history research done with some of the old guard clarinetists still working in the city and did a lot of research into uh, the history of jazz for social change and as a part of social movements. And that's what uh, this piece was based on, a lot of that research. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, with the kids, what are the kids' activities? Yeah, there's uh, a bunch of kids' activities. So we're going to have some students from Make Music NOLA come out to play, so kids playing in the in the woods playing music, um, and also Confetti Park Players, which is a children's chorus with some adult New Orleans musicians that, that help them along in their tunes. And then we're going to have um, a performance by an artist collective here, Punica Granatum Collective, that's going to have this interactive puppetry experience in the woods for their audience, uh, all made out of found materials. And then we also have Antenna, the local nonprofit, their draw-a-thon. So they do their 24-hour draw-a-thon um, every Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it's coming up. And they're going to come out with a table and do some art activities, including uh, make your own recycled sketchbook and put a bird on it. Put a? Put a bird on it. A bird. Yes. So those are the, they're going to be some drawing activities for. That's interesting. You know, um, my organization is doing an exhibition at the Crevasse 22 Riverhouse site in Poydras, Louisiana, mm -hmm. opening in uh, combination with uh, Prospect 4 next weekend. And the name of the show is Migration. And the, the two key element, elements of it are the birds um, and boats. So we're going to have carved ducks and um, big bird murals and uh, uh, interesting artwork by very contemporary artists, as well as some of the older work by people like Walter Anderson and Audubon um, that, of course, did work with birds a long time ago. Um, I'd like to uh, find out a little bit more, um, John Kleinschmidt, mm -hmm. about um, your work and um, what you're expecting to do here during your retreat. Because I think one of the things that happens with all of the uh, artists that come to your studio in the woods is that they really do create new work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's probably career-changing in terms of working in a, in a way that's very different from what they've been doing since you have that, you know, that isolation from your everyday lives. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with, um, I think, the, the installation that I'm making for Forestival this weekend um, as you know, driving out to Studio in the Woods, it's this beautiful drive along the levee, along the river, and it's inside that levee protection. It's you know, it's a mystery. Where is the river? What's going on on the other side of that levee? And so I thought that um, I picked a site on the Studio in the Woods property where there's a pond and has some trees around it. And that pond, after talking to Joe and some other folks at a Studio in the Woods, I realized that that pond its groundwater or its water level fluctuates with the groundwater. And when you're there about 500 feet from the river, that has very much to do with the level of the water in the river because it's all a system. You know, we think about dry land and we think about that earthen wall between us and the river. It's, it's all a kind of water and soil system. And so I thought that it would be interesting to call attention to the relationship to the river 
from that humble pond on their site. And so um, by checking some of the river gauges and doing my own um, observations at the river there, I found that I could mark the high point of the river from this past year, which at that point was, in a, I think, uh, in late May. And I, I thought I'd just is. make a... Yep. And we know this anecdotally. Snow melt from the upper uh, Midwest. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we don't see that on the on the inside of the levee, but we do see these little sand boils and little um, puddles along the, the road. And so we rely on those other clues. So I thought just by making something evident, by measuring something in the landscape that's, you know, factually there, but we don't experience it, it just might remind us about how the, you know, that, that bottomland hardwood forest um, – used to rely on the seasonal flooding to sustain that ecology. So I take it that as an artist, one of the areas of interest for you um, has to do with the environment? Absolutely. And tell I, tell yeah. me about your artwork yeah. in general. And in, sure, 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 sure. Um, in general, I'm, I'm trained as an architect, um, ah, and I okay. practice as an architect as well. I see. Um, and I think the living in Louisiana in particular, the landscape is so sublime that, that just kind of taking measure, um, knowing where you are in the landscape, it, it's almost a creative act by itself, I mm-hmm. think. And so, I agree. Yeah. I, I, and I think especially the, the relationship between land and water and how we kind of carve out a place for ourselves to live um, between those two extremes, um, that that's usually drives, drives my work. Mm-hmm, and, um, mm-hmm. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up a little bit in Northern California and mm-hmm. a little bit in Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. And uh, where do you live now? Now I live in New Orleans. Oh, you do live so in New Orleans. So you're here. This is home now. So, yeah. the, but this yeah. is just a little bit of a again an escape from your everyday life, so that you can really focus on your work. Absolutely. I, I, th- I love the idea of the artist retreat. You know, as I said, I was involved with uh, Lucianne and Joe in the early days, and I was really um, happy to see it take shape. And I thought they were so persistent and deliberate. In make those words make sense? Yes. Um, in, in in making sure that this happened, and um, it's really beautiful. Uh, maybe Grace, uh, describe to people a little bit more about the site itself and and the facilities and. Yeah, so we're on um, almost eight acres of bottomland hardwood forest, as we've said, and we have the pond. Um, And then there are four buildings on the property, which are almost exclusively made out of recycled materials and were made sort of by Joe and Lucianne and their friends over time. Uh, So it's a really unique architecture for the area, and it's set back about a quarter mile off the road. So you're really surrounded by woods when you're there and just feel like you're you're in nature in a way that's it a little can be interesting when you're so close to the city. It's a very different feeling, but you're really right across the river. Um, so I'm really excited for people to come out and be able to walk in the woods specifically this uh, this weekend. And we're going to have a few different ways that people can do that. So we always have our walks in the woods uh, dealing with plants with our environmental curator, David Baker, who's also a botanist. Um, and then we're going to have a bug walk with entomologist Kim Mile. I won't be on that one. <laughs> she's also going to be. Ba- I'm not a bugs person. My she's also going to be. I'm not uh, making some chocolate chirp cookies for people that that appeals to. Is that crickets dipped in chocolate? Uh, maybe. We'll we'll have some normal chocolate chip cookies as well. Um, and then another former resident. Uh, it's really great the number of residents that we have involved this year to showcase their work that was made on site. 
um, Benjamin Morris, who's a poet. He just published a new book of poems that was compo- uh, written mostly in, while in residence at studio. So he's going to be doing a reading and then leading a walk through the woods of the specific places that inspired his poems. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. yeah. That's so the, neat. sort of that direct link of the woods and the creative process. Are, are the studios where the artists work and, and hang and exhibit their work, um, are they actually uh, going to be available Yeah, so we'll have in one of the artist studios, we'll have an interactive clay activity called uh, Building a Clay Forest, where you're using wet clay and sticks to sort of create this uh, communal sculpture. And then in one of the other studios, uh, Lindsay Wagner and Julia Drapkin of Icy Change are going to be exhibiting some of their work. So they've got a lot of overlap with John and thinking about water uh, from a very civic Standpoint, and they have a uh, website, icchange.org, where people can submit uh, are evidence. Are you saying I see? Yes, like I see with my oh, eyes right. change. change. Oh, okay. um, because people submit change that they see in their everyday life. So mm-hmm. photos of flooding or uh, information from rain gauges that they're mm-hmm. working with some people on. So they are doing a community curated exhibit tied to uh, – Pilot Land in Gentilly, and sort of the past, present, and future of that. Where is Pilot Land again? uh, Sort of St. Bernard, going up St. Bernard a little bit by, like, where St. Bernard projects were, just past 610. Mm -hmm. Um, So focusing on the past, present, and future of that Why is it called Pilot Town? Do you know? I do not, but specifically of their relationship with water and flooding. So... uh, when I think of the word pilot, I think of pilots on the water. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what the connection there is. Anyway, that's Google. That's Google land. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> Lindsay word. and Julia could tell you on Saturday. <laughs> so so t- t- tell me, um, uh, how has the uh, mission and program at the studio evolved since I was last involved? I, th- I guess I was involved. I guess I... It was before Katrina, because I know that after Katrina, that's when I got sucked up in the planning efforts, and that's when I really got less involved with the studio. Mm-hmm. So so over the past, whoa, five, we're talking of 12 30 years plus, um, t- tell me about how it's um, shaping up. How, how has it changed? Sure. Uh, well, shortly before Katrina, we became a, a program of Tulane, which is a big part of our history. Um, and since then, we've continued. By the way, I triggered that. You may not know that. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> I brought Ian McNaughton into uh, to the program uh, to see how um, how it was happening. And he's he lives in Algiers, and he was a professor of architecture at yeah. Tulane. Mm-hmm. So I wanted him to kind of see what was going on and see how Tulane might be a part of that. And that led to um, Tulane actually becoming the stewards of the property. Oh, wow. Did he design one of the cabins? That I don't – you know, that comes after I was less involved. Okay. So I don't know the answer to that. I, I, that I vaguely remember yeah. that he was going to do that. So, yeah, it could be. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Right. I, I, me like too. Him. Yeah. Um, but so in the last 10 to 12 years, we've just been continuing with environmentally themed residencies. Um, and if, so right after Katrina, they were really in response to that and have sort of evolved over time to now where we're really specifically dealing with issues of climate change and adaptation. Um, and that has sort of evolved organic, organically, those themes, um, just with what 
it, current environmental issues sort of demand we focus on. Um, in addition to that, we also now have scholarly residencies for Tulane faculty and uh, postdocs and doctoral you candidates. Have what kind of residencies? Scholarly residencies scholarly. for, oh, okay, for Tulane faculty. Uh -huh. So those are one week as well for a way to get more people out in the woods to benefit from it. And, you know, um, my husband is um, – He's a planner and an, and an artist, but he works with engineers and architects a lot, right? He actually taught at Tulane at Adjunct for uh, quite a long time, as did I brief, more briefly just before the storm. And um, he's always talking about the relationship between science and art. And I sense that connection in, in what you were saying, and I was just wondering, you know, again, um, in terms of how you work mm -hmm. and relate mm -hmm. to that that connection between science and art, how, how does that get ex mm. expressed in your work? Absolutely. Um, I think the pulling out little phenomena in the in the world that we um, that are kind of amazing and explaining why they're amazing is is kind of something I'm always interested in doing. And I think um, science gives you a, a kind of entry to that conversation. Just to, to have someone like Dave Baker, the botanist, show you the amazing kind of change of the landscape over a length of time that we can never experience because we're not there to watch it happen every moment, um, to compress some of those things that happen over time into something instantaneous that you can um, take in in, in, a, in a painting or a drawing or a, an installation. Um, I think I think that's a Sudan the Woods really is a wonderful convergence of those things. You know, it just occurred to me that is really an aspect of migration that um, I didn't quite get that got, get that far in the planning for the show that we're doing at Crevasse 22, um, but plants migrate too, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as as for the same reason adaptation, and um, I, I I probably could have benefited from looking had a little bit of time to look more into that and having part of our exhibition actually engage um, that story. And I, I didn't do that. I'm going to see if I can do that before as Prospect goes on and um, see if I can find uh, an artist who works um, actually more with, um, you know, um, landscape. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to, yeah. uh, to do something that uh, addresses that, that issue. Mm -hmm. It's actually amazing how plants function in relation to each other. When, when I learned that plants can be kind of aggressive with each other <laughs> – and, and kind of move in on each other's territory very deliberately. And I see it in my garden because uh, I'm a Chinese fan palm lover. Mm -hmm. And I planted a few too many. <laughs> I didn't know they were going to be having babies like crazy. <laughs> and now I basically have a Chinese fan palm jungle. <laughs> and I watched them kind of reach over my sasanquas and my camellias and my my gardenias and my lemon trees and, you know, they were talking about planting fruit trees. I've got fruit trees throughout my garden that aren't getting enough sun and now these Chinese fan palms are saying, oh, we like it where you are too. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. In, invasive species. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not really... No, but just as a, you know, they're like just, they're they compete. <laughs> they compete for territory the same way other species do, and yes. it's 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 a whole new way of thinking about plants that they are um, more deliberate than you think. You think of them as being passive. You put them in the ground, they grow, they die in the winter, they come back in the spring. But there's a lot more going on. 
Absolutely. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the, the notion of adaptation as a theme for these residencies this year that Student in the Woods put out has, is a really inclusive word, I think, in a way. There's lots of different ways to, to come at that angle and absolutely looking at how, even on that property, how those plants are changing is a, you know. So the last show that we yeah. did out at Crevasse was called Living with Climate Change. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's more about, okay, how designing for living in a place that is risky. Mm-hmm. 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 And then this show now is more about if you have to move, you know, how does that work? And um, our shows are not very hard-hitting yet, but we also are environmentally themed in what we do, and mm-hmm. we're going to be continuing to do that. So, yeah, I am kind of plugging that, too, <laughs> because Absolutely. we open our show in concert with um, Prospect uh uh, for next Saturday mm-hmm. from 2 to 5, we'll be having country cocktails and inviting people to come see our new exhibition. So I'm sorry, I can't resist getting in a little plug for <laughs> what we're doing. Um, what have we left out? We have just a few minutes left. Um, t- tell me what uh, we didn't cover. Um, I think so. It's just a really great day for the whole family out in the woods, and we're going to have everything that you need from bug spray to food to all the entertainment. Um, we're also going to have representation from a project uh, with an artist collective called Fallen Fruit. Uh, we're doing a project with Pelican Bomb uh, in partnership with Pelican Bomb and the Newcomb Museum um, and CSED down in the Lower Ninth Ward. I said that one again, the artists for... Fallen Fruit. Artists for... No, the collective is just called Fallen Fall Fruit. Fallen Fruit. And, and who, tell me about them. Who are they? Uh, so they are two artists, Austin Young and David Burns, based primarily out of Los Angeles. But they have the uh, project they've been working on for a number of years now called the Endless Orchard. And they've brought it to over 30 cities across the country. And now they're going to bring it to New Orleans. So we are going to be uh, in partnership under their artistic direction planting 300 fruit trees in the spring th- across the city of new orleans wow um specific concentrating in the lower ninth ward and gentilly um so we're going to be planting some fruit on, on, on public or private property or both uh both so we are going to be the whole idea is that it creates <coughs> a publicly accessible fruit orchard so a, a as a resource for the community especially in places that are, are food deserts and also serves as a monument to sharing in a community so it's something that's accessible to everyone in that community so we're going to be planting um, some orchards on public land and then also doing fruit tree adoptions where people can plant them on their own land if it's a uh, publicly accessible so next to the sidewalk or next to their property line. Uh, so we'll have people on site that can speak about that project as well, and you can apply to adopt a, a to adopt a fruit tree. I'd love to adopt a fruit tree. I just need to find somebody else to plant them because, as I always say to my friends, I cannot plant or prune. I'm a really bad pruner. <laughs> I can only water and weed. And the palms are taking over anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, you have to pass by my house. My house is the second house in to the riverside of John Mac. Okay. And you'll see what I'm talking about with the Chinese palms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they also, what makes me really mad at them is when they intrude on my sagos, because sagos is such an ancient plant. And the fact that they're still around, it just knocks me out, and I really love them for that. So when when the Chinese fan pumps like to embrace the sagos, you know, I'm saying, okay, that's enough, and snip a couple of those branches back. So 
yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, that, that, but as I said, I am a terrible pruner because if I try to prune a gardenia or a um, or a camellia, I don't want to tell you what the results are like. <laughs> so I just let them get leggy, which is not a solution either. All right, guys, I am. Um, Let me just make sure the audience understands how beautiful this place is from both the standpoint of the natural forest around it. So that's why we're talking about a forest of vol and also the art activities that go on there. uh, You you probably have online uh, in your website some kind of a a history or an archive of work that's been done there? Yep, we have a, uh, uh, all of our residents that have come through, which is over 100 now, listed on the website, which is uh, a so studiointhewoods.org. Studiointhewoods.org, and you can kind of go back and see the work. Um, that's just amazing and great, 100 artists. Yeah. Wonderful. Because at, at any given time when you have a retreat, how many artists are involved? Two at a time at most. We have two bedrooms, oh, so really? two at a time. So it's a, it's but a, it's been plugging along for a while now, so they add up. Yeah, that's great. All right, studio in the woods this Saturday. Oh, let's do the directions in the parking. Yep, so you go over the Mississippi River Bridge. Uh, you'll take the De Gaulle exit and bear to the left to go on De Gaulle uh, down towards, like, English Turn. You go over the intercoastal waterway. Uh, you come to a roundabout and go to the right and then go about six miles on the river road, and you'll see a parking lot where people are parking, and they'll shuttle you to our front gate. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh, you got it really organized now. Because <laughs> we used to just sort of, like, you know, park out on the river road wherever we could avoid a ditch. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Saturday from 11 to 5 out in the lower coast of Algiers. It's a, It would be a beautiful way for you to spend a day, guys. Mm-hmm. I really encourage you to consider it. All right. This is Cross Town Conversations. Um, we're coming to the end of another episode. And uh, next week we'll really be talking about Prospect 4, which is a huge art festival that takes place all over the city. 70 artists from all over the world. Um, and then 100 satellite locations throughout the city. And that's all the local organizations that are also a part of it. It is, it's, it's mammoth. Um, it, it's going to be going on from next Saturday through February. And, um, you know, I, I work hard on it because I think it's a, a great thing for the city of New Orleans. So thank you all and talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>